It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today's show is all about empathetic leadership, raising your social awareness. Now we talk about self-awareness because self-awareness is really important to have as a leader in a company. When we understand how we're showing up and how the impact of how we're showing up affects others, then we can play a really big game. To give you an example, I was leading a group the other day. This was not my business. This was a volunteering organization that I was a part of. And at I realized that how I was showing up, I was sitting on the sidelines of a big decision. I was waiting for somebody else to make the decision and then I would pay the price for whatever the decision was made. And I had this aha moment of realizing no one's going to make the decision, Kathleen. So my self-awareness drove me to that point of realizing no one's gonna make this, this decision. It's you, you get to be the person that leads this. I'm not gonna make the decision, but I am going to be the one that pulls everybody together to make the decision. And so, so that's the self-awareness piece. But the social awareness piece is being aware of my impact or our impact in the organization as a whole. And so I realized that how I positioned myself, the words I use, the body language that I use, uh, the tone, all of the, the, that was really important to moving this decision forward. And so I actually, in this case, wrote out an email and in, in this, without getting too specific into the organization, because that's really not relevant, this organization would cease to exist if we didn't make the decision to move it forward. And so I sent out an email to the stakeholders of this organization and said, hey, look, here's where it stands. If we do nothing, this organization will fold by the end of the year. But if we want it to move forward, there is an option, but we all get to play together. And so I sent this note out and then I held the the context that this was going to get figured out. And within a couple hours, I had multiple people reaching out to me saying, no, uh, we don't want this to fold. Let's figure out how we can move it forward. And we'd actually rewritten what the organization could look like. So that in and of itself was a huge success. And what it required of me was the social awareness to know how I could impact others based on how I was showing up and then how I got to position myself so that I could be the leader that I wanted to be inside of this larger organization. And so this is the context of today's show is understanding that how there's self-awareness, but how self-awareness plays in with social awareness. Now I didn't coin these terms. This is not something that I came up with. This is actually a psychologist back in the seventies, uh, Michael Goldman. He came up with these terms, this, these self-awareness and social awareness. And there's actually four different ones, but we're focusing on these two right now. And the social awareness piece is truly about how you are perceived by the actions that you take with others. So it's within a group system. Now, one of the best ways to see social awareness, you can see it within any organization, any culture, any community, any group of people, you can see how social awareness does or doesn't work. But if you really want to understand this concept, just go to a school, preferably like an elementary school. If you can go to one that's K through eight, like my kids go to a K through eight school. And what's beautiful about that is because you've got you've got your your preschool, like kind of pre-K, kindergarten in one organ one space. You've got your kind of middle grades, your like first through fifth, 
And then you've got your middle school, your six through eighth or junior high, every school system does this different. But if you can look at a school system that has all that different environment inside of their one construct, what you'll see is that when social awareness starts to become a thing, because as your emotional intelligence levels rise, which we know happens as we age and we get more opportunities to see how we impact others, our self-awareness is going to raise. So as that happens, then you see social awareness. So let me give you an example of what this looks like, not to be crude, but I'll give it directly as I see it. So if I go into my fourth grade son's classroom, I walk in there and it just smells like fart. I mean, literally like fart. And the teacher, she's so used to it smelling like fart because this is just every single day. It smells like fart when you walk in there. You walk past kids, you can actually hear them farting. I'm not even joking. I was volunteer, I am a volunteer for one of the, the Battle of the Books groups. And this is where kids get together and read books and then they go to a competition. It's the coolest thing. It's like a spelling bee for reading. So I am a volunteer and I work with a group of six fourth graders. I walked into their class, we met over lunchtime, so they all had their lunch around this table and we're sitting there, we sat there for 25 minutes, just you know, a long time really to talk about the books that these kids have read. But they were all really excited about their books, telling us all about them. And then we got to the point of actually picking a team name because we're gonna have a competition in March. Now it's November, we have quite a bit of time, but they were really excited about picking their team names. And when it started out, it was like, they picked like super readers and uh, book champions and all these things related to literary. So all these book related names was really cool. And then it was this slippery slope. And all of a sudden we got to butthole surfers. Yes, butthole surfers. And if, you've, if you're a musician or a fan of musicians, that's a band. And so one of the kids goes, oh, my dad listens to that band. And so then we start talking about butthole surfers. And uh, then it got really crazy. And all the kids started first making farting sounds, but then they actually started farting. And it just smelled like fart, like the normal smell of the classroom. And that, at that point, my co-coach and, and myself, we were both said, nope, we're, we're done. We've reached the pass of sanity and it's time for them to go to recess. So we ended the meeting and we moved on. But that is a very common occurrence in fourth grade. And I love that I've spent the last few minutes talking about farts in fourth grade. So <laughs> great show today. All right, so farts in fourth grade, that totally happens. Now, if I go into my son's, my older, my middle son's classroom, who's in sixth grade, it smells a little fresher. But the challenge in there is that uh, they have PE days, okay, multiple PE days, and they're just starting to change clothes in PE. They have uniforms, but they're coming into themselves, like a lot of them are into puberty, and they, they kind of stink, like, like BO type stink, okay? So it's not so much farts, like they have contained their farts, but they are more into body odor, and so that's a bigger issue. But then I go into my eighth grade son's classroom, and... It doesn't smell like any of those. It's not farts or BO because the kids have figured out how to wear deodorant. They, you know, some of the girls bring in air fresheners or they'll spray the room because they don't like that smell of BO or fart. The boys uh, and the girls, but they've learned how to contain themselves. So if they need to use the bathroom, they go to the bathroom. Because what happens between fourth and eighth grade is that we start to have our social awareness where it's considered rude to fart in front of somebody else and stink up the room. It's considered gross to not wear deodorant 
and this is in in the the American culture where I live, it's considered gross to not wear deodorant. And so they want to smell a little bit better. They don't want to have an odor that's noticeable. And so the social awareness piece becomes a real big thing. And so you see a significant change between the fourth grade and the eighth grade classrooms as far as behavior goes, like human, and I don't mean uh, behavior like like slapping people and hitting people and name calling. I mean, how they show up in their actions as far as how they treat their bodies. It totally changes and the difference is in social awareness. So at our core, what is social awareness? It's how others perceive you and your actions. When we start to think about, oh, it's not just us, there's others that are impacted around us. That's how we grow in our social awareness. And typically what we see is in schools, that as you get more into those middle school years, that's why middle school is so uncomfortable. I mean, most people would not want to go back and relive their middle school years. But the reason is because we all hit this social awareness piece at a different time, which means that at any given point, half the class or whatever that breakdown is, they're not into the social awareness yet, but the other half is. And then you think your, your classmates are gross, uh, rude, uncomfortable, ugly and whatever it is because half of them could care less what everyone thinks around them about how what they're putting off into the world and the other half really cares and then you get into this dynamic of well we really really care what other people think to the point where we actually hold ourselves back and so that is the school environment and why it's so cool. Now, you go into a kindergarten or a first grade classroom, it's just like the fourth grade classroom, the fart dust, it, but like magnified by 100% to the fact that the teachers just walk around with gas masks. When we had COVID and the teachers wore masks, you know, there were a lot of things that didn't work about that. But the one thing that I've heard teachers say over and over again that worked was that some of those odors got blocked. <laughs> so they didn't have to smell the fart. <laughs> and again, I spent minutes on this show on fart. So really proud of myself for that. I think I've said fart more times than I've ever said in any episode before. So yay, <laughs> that's some kind of milestone, I'm sure. But moving on from there, what we see in companies is really no different. People are at different levels of self or of social awareness. Have you ever met with somebody or at lunchtime, somebody's brought the tuna in? It is just this, this uh, well-known rule in office land. If you are somebody who works in an office, in a physical office space, you don't, you don't bring tuna into an office space because it stinks. Like there's an odor with tuna and, or any kind of fish. And when you bring it in, it spreads around the office. It's the same thing with popcorn in a microwave. Why would you not microwave popcorn? Because it tends to burn and then it has this nasty smell. But we have all experienced something like that. Well, in the virtual environment, there's also these unwritten rules of social awareness that we may or may not be privy to. And if you aren't privy to this unwritten rule, meaning you haven't experienced it, you don't know it, you may be un unknowingly breaking it. So the thing with social awareness is that a lot of these hidden rules, we actually get to call them forward. Now, if you're somebody that knows the unwritten rule, but you're mad because somebody else is violating the unwritten rule, one thing to note is, like, are they aware of the unwritten rule? They may not be. So let's look at what an example might be. Let's say that in your environment, so your office space, in, in your work, 
you are working in a virtual or hybrid environment. And so you do a lot of Zoom calls or go to meetings or Teams, whatever platform you're using. Let's say that to you, being on camera is the unwritten rule. It means you haven't talked about it, but if you're going to be in a meeting, you're on camera and that's just how it's gonna be. But somebody else comes to a meeting and they're off camera because in their previous environment, let's just say that that unwritten rule was, we all are off camera. We just use it, use our, our platform, our Zoom, our meetings, our, our Teams, whatever it is, we really just use it as a place to gather, but we don't need to show our face. And now you're interacting with that person and they don't wanna show their face. It's not that they're being rude, it might be that their unwritten rule is that they are off camera on these calls, but your unwritten rule is that you're on camera. I had this situation happen when I was in a meeting the other day and I realized that this could be the case. And what I did was say to the person that was on there, hey, do you mind turning on your camera? Or you could flip it and say, hey, is there a reason, did you want us all to come on camera? Cause I'll go ahead and turn mine off. Well, sometimes these things, while they seem so elementary and like, well, of course, couldn't we just have these conversations? Remember, I'm boiling this down to the, to the common denominator where, so, so this, is, this is the little stuff. There's also the big stuff, okay? About how we think, how we feel, how, what, what kinds of things that we value. All of those things show up in the workplace and people have differences of opinions on those. Beliefs are, are tough. And so as a leader in the company, there could be two people that have completely different belief systems and they are going head to head. And one is not right or wrong. It's just that their social awareness really brings them to a certain level where they say, look, I am right and I don't care what you think. I'm moving forward either way. And the other person is just as strong about that. And so now, the challenge is that those two people are more concerned about being right than how they move forward. Social awareness allows us to see that we get to move forward and oftentimes that is more important than being right. Okay, social awareness allows us to see that it is about how we move forward and that is more important than being right. Now, as a leader in a company, you are tasked with that, with holding the company and all the employees to the highest level of social awareness so that they can see that it is about how we move forward, not just about being right. And so sometimes what I hear when my, when my clients come to me, they'll say, I've had two people in my office and they are so focused on being right that I can't get either one to move to work together. And the challenge is neither of them are wrong. This is about how we lead and move forward. And so what happens when, let's put this into another light, into another scenario, and about how we move forward from a, how we see our companies, like business strategy, it absolutely hits up against this. Now we're gonna talk all about that, but we're gonna go on a quick break first. You're listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Enjoy this quick break, and when we get back, we probably aren't gonna talk about farts. But who knows? Enjoy this quick break. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com.
Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reason Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And right before we went to break, we were talking about how social awareness can impact business strategy. Now, I was leading a retreat a couple weeks ago. One of the things that happened, so I had all of the board of this organization work together, and what we had lots of different voices in the room. There were 40 different board members that all had seats around this very large table. And what we were attempting to do was to make one voice out of these 40 voices. Now, not, there wasn't one of those 40 voices that was more important than the other. And we had the board members, but then we also had the staff of the company that these board members were leading and advising. So you have multiple different stakeholders in the room, but my goal was to say, okay, I hear all 40 of your board member voices. I hear the four or five staff members that are in the room. So between those 45 voices, we really get to come out with one coherent voice that is the voice of the company, the direction of the company, where we're headed. And so when we're thinking about social awareness, knowing that just because we make our voice the loudest doesn't mean that it gets to be the unifying voice going forward. If we make our voice the softest, are we gonna be heard? Probably not. So we get to be somewhere in the middle. And as the leader, you get to have the role just like what I had in that when I was hosting that strategic session, meaning that I got to be the facilitator of multiple voices. My role was to hear 45 opinions, thoughts, and make sure that everyone got a chance to speak, anybody that wanted to, about each topic. But at the end of the day, the way that we move forward wasn't about the loudest voice or the softest voice or the most demanding voice. It was about what we collectively aligned to. Now, alignment and agreement are two completely different things. Agreement would be, gosh, yes, I like that. This idea is wonderful. We should move forward. And alignment is, while I might not agree with it, I see that we can move forward in that respect. So I was talking earlier about how you might have two people in your office that have very strong values, but they're in conflict. And the point of social awareness is that we can move forward for the greater good, not about the individual effect. That's exactly what we're talking about here when we're talking about in this company perspective, when we've got 45 different voices and we get to come through with one, it's about identifying where the alignment is. Another way that I have referenced this, and perhaps you've heard it left referenced, is that we're looking for the through line. Because in all of those voices, in everything that's being said, there is a through line. And what that through line is, is a thing that connects those voices. Now, a trained facilitator can hear that, can hear that, okay, there are 
many different voices here, but we're really saying some there's a commonality and we're looking for the commonality about where we get to head. And so that is the goal, understanding what the through line is. And so when you listen and not with what people necessarily are saying, but what's underneath that, what's the intention of their words, when we can hear that, then you can find the through line. And when you can find the through line, you can actually support everyone's voice and being heard. And so you actually have empathy for everything that everyone is experiencing, thinking, feeling, and saying, hearing them, and still saying, this is how we're moving forward. Because if you've ever been in a position where you've heard what people are saying, and you yourself may not agree with it, but can you get on board with where they're headed, where they want to head? Can you align with that? Not necessarily agree, but can you align? So the difference between alignment and agreement, that's really important when we're talking about social awareness, especially as the leader of the company. And just like the role that I got to play when I was facilitating that retreat was that, you know, we can be that person that wants to pull away. I mean, I have been that person in groups that I have been a part of where I just, I, I didn't agree and I couldn't be in alignment with where the group was headed. And so while there was, I remember one vividly, I was a group of 15 people and where they wanted to go, I was not there. I thought it was actually detrimental to where we were heading. And what I got to do with the team was understand what piece of it was detrimental because not all of it was detrimental, but there was a piece of it. And I got to walk through the exercise of what exactly is it here that's detrimental because can we change one little piece that would put me into alignment with the rest of the team? Or am I going to be the person that is labeled the, per the one that doesn't get along, the one, that, that person that's never going to agree with us, the troublemaker? That person typically has a couple, maybe one, two pieces that are out of alignment. And so as the facilitator, as the leader, it's our job to say, well, what is it that's actually that you consider to be detrimental or out of alignment with where we're headed? Because when you can identify that, we can actually get people together in alignment with where we're headed. I was facilitating another group, so separate separate groups <laughs> than what I was talking about earlier. I was doing this facilitation on uh, strategic planning and we were talking, like demonstrating this very thing. This group was really struggling to understand how they could unite on team meeting times. You ever had this challenge? There was this leader, he calls me up, and he says, Kathleen, my biggest challenge in the company is that we all want to meet it. That we, we haven't met as a team for a year and a half. Every time we go to get this team together, every single time somebody says, I can't do it. This doesn't work. And so we end up a portion of us meeting. But the whole senior team had not met together for a year and a half. Now, I'm not talking about physical in person or virtual or hybrid. No, they just physically had not met for a year and a half. They, they hadn't met together in any way. And it was really causing some challenges because as the leader, he would have a conversation with most of the team, but then he'd have a follow-up conversation with some of the team and it would cause a real challenge between the two entities. And he got to attempt to bridge the gap, but he was constantly playing catch up and it was causing a lot of stress for this leader. And so one of the things that we talked about was what was really in the way for this team getting together. What was the real problem? And what he told me was that, well, schedules didn't align. There were lots of different people that had different schedules and they couldn't figure out how to make it happen. 
And what we identified when we when we pulled the onion back, because anytime you have a challenge, it's like an onion, you pull layers back and then you get to the core of it, that part that makes your eyes water, that is exactly like finding the core of your challenge because when you really see it, it does make your eyes wanna water. And in this case, the same thing happened. So I'm talking with this leader and we pull back a layer and he says, well, they just can't all meet together. We pull back the layer, well, well, what do you think's about that? Well, they don't like each other, there's always, controversy and so people don't want to be together in the same room pull that back and so we just kept pulling that onion back and finally he realized these meetings that we're hosting they're not valuable to his people they're not valuable to his people they're not valuable enough for them to think i'm going to drop whatever i'm doing to attend this meeting so we had to change the carrot and the carrot, why I say that is the carrot is the lead. Have you ever heard that? Like you can use a carrot or a stick. A stick beats somebody into place. A carrot is enticing. What would you give a horse if the horse wouldn't move? Would you give them, would you beat them and say, move horse, move? Or would you give the horse a carrot so that the horse wants to step forward to get the carrot? Well, you use a carrot. A friend of mine runs a race in Colorado in Leadville and it's a donkey race. He owns two donkeys. We just got to see him here when we were in Colorado a few weeks ago. These donkeys are super friendly. They, I really enjoyed playing with them until they attempted to like push me into a fence. It was great. Then I knew it was time to leave. <laughs> but these donkeys, they, uh, there's a reason that they run this donkey race because it doesn't matter how great of a donkey handler you are. If the donkey doesn't want to move, the donkey is not moving and you've got to entice them forward. There's no amount of kicking or screaming or dragging that you can do. These donkeys, there's a reason that a donkey is called an ass. They sit, like they put their feet in the ground, all four of them, and they just don't want to move. And so the handlers have to really be enrolling to their donkeys to get them to move forward. Well, I think this is a beautiful example of what happens like this guy that I'm talking to about how his team won't get forward, won't move forward, won't come together. He got to use the carrot. He got to figure out what would be enticing to get them all to come. So he decided he was going to pull them together in a social way. So he pulls them all together. He says, next Friday, we're all going to meet at this place. Now, all of his people were in town so they could get together. Now, three people immediately had objections to that. Two of those objections he could overcome quite easily. But one of the objections, he just kept hitting a roadblock and then another roadblock and then another roadblock. Now, I happened to be a witness to this conversation because this, this guy was in the office and I got to be there to hear it. And what I saw was that the, my client, the, one, the, the leader that was attempting to organize this meeting, what I saw was that he was using a tone that was more excitement. He was saying, come on, this is gonna be great, come to this meeting. But that wasn't the carrot, that was like holding out a, hmm, let's see, holding something that somebody didn't like. Hey, okay, if I was offering it to my kids, they were sitting there, offering them a Brussels sprout is not gonna get them to move forward. But if I offered, yes, if I offered a cupcake, they'd be super excited. If I offered a candy bar, they'd be super excited. But the Brussels sprout isn't going to get them to move forward. And in this case, this guy, what he was doing to this employee, he kept thinking that perhaps the Brussels sprout was the one that was going to get him excited. So he kept saying, come on, we're going to meet at this place. It's going to be really exciting. The whole team's going to be there. This is great. But the guy, when you, when you really listened, he was saying, well, how am I supposed to get this done? 
What about this meeting? What about this that's happening? What about this email that I have to send? And while his boss is saying, come on, this is going to be great. Just do this. It's going to be fun. The, the guy really had some logistical questions. So I paused the, the conversation, pulled, the, pulled my client aside and said, look, he wants you to get into the weeds with him. He wants you to walk through the objections one by one so that he can be a yes. Because I actually believe that this guy wanted to be a yes. He just felt like there was lots of stuff in his way. And so my client, he goes back and he says, okay, let's talk about all the things that are in your way to attending. They went one by one in the weeds. Well, what about this, this client? What about this meeting? What about this email? What about this? What about that? And they went through every single one. And after 20 minutes, no joke, 20 minutes, the guy was a yes to coming. And you know what happened that next week? Everybody on his team attended this meeting for the first time in 18 months. So really exciting. But what it took was for him to use all kinds of different styles to show up for his team. He got to be an empathetic leader. He got to use his social awareness and realize that how he's showing up worked for quite a bit of his team, but it didn't work for everybody. And the prices that he was paying was that his team hadn't gotten together for 18 months because he hadn't been able to find the carrot that worked for each team member, knowing that carrots don't grow one at a time. They grow in a bunch. So there's lots of different carrots and lots of different tools to use. But he was only pulling up one tool, one carrot, not using the rest of the carrots. But there's a reason that there's a whole bag of carrots when you go to the grocery store. You don't buy just one, you buy a bunch. Okay, you have a tool set. So use all of your tools to be able to create that movement within the company. Just like in the school classroom, the teachers, when you're a fourth grade teacher and what you smell, I know I promised you no fart conversation, but I'm gonna bring it up again, because why not? The fourth grade teachers have figured out that they're, some of them can plug their nose. I mean, I was talking to a fourth grade teacher. I said, how do you do this so that you don't just like pass out? And she says, well, the scary thing is you get used to it. That I, you know, I really felt bad for her. Like, <laughs> I don't know that I ever want to get used to that. But uh, I do live in a house with three boys and two dogs and a husband and all that. So perhaps I have. But my whole point here is that they've used a tool set to figure out how to get used to them. One of the teachers, she holds a spray bottle at her desk and she just spritzes around it about every hour and then it smells fresh. She doesn't smell the other kids. So she's figured out a way to work so that it works. That's her carrot. Now think about as you lead, have you used a tool set? Have you used all your carrots? Or are you just using the same carrot for everyone wondering why it's not working for all? Maybe it's working for some, probably if you keep doing it, or that would be insanity. That is the very definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Not going to happen. So if you're using one carrot, one tool, and that's not working, you get to increase your social awareness and say, what would work for that person in front of me? How do I get to show up to impact a different change? Because it's not about them coming and showing up differently. Humanity says people aren't going to show up differently unless they intentionally do it. And so this is the call of intentionality for you as the leader to say, what does that person need for me? What does that person need for me? And what does that person need for me? Because in reality, it's going to be all different. And are you willing to show up how they need you to? That is the very definition of social awareness. Because one person would say how you're showing up is rude. One person how you would say how you're showing up is fantastic. And another person would say, who 
is that person. And so you get to show up for each of the people around you as they need you to. How you show up for your partner, your spouse, or your child at home is probably not the same way you would show up for your coworker, peer, or employee at the office. It just wouldn't work. And so we get to we get to make these shifts. I think inherently we know this already because we do show up differently at home as we do at the office, but there is a through line. For example, if we're consistent at home, we are probably consistent at the office. If we're inconsistent at home, we're probably inconsistent at the office. If people are running all over us at home, they're probably running all over us at the office. So that is the through line, that is consistent. But we can apply that same thing when we're talking about the future and where we're headed, okay? We can apply that same thing. We're gonna go on a quick break. When we get back, there's more. <laughs> there's always more. You're listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership, here on Inspired Choices Network. Enjoy this quick break. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we've been talking all about empathetic leadership, raise your social awareness, and giving some tools and some tips on really what you can do to raise that social awareness. Now, here's the thing. I bet up until now, you have, might be thinking, well, Kathleen, I mean, this stuff's kind of obvious. I know that this is the stuff that we should be doing, or maybe we are doing, uh, but that's not always the case. So perhaps, perhaps that's the case. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about how we may know that that's where we get to go with our team, but we don't always do that. Have you ever had that happen where you know where you want to go with somebody? Like you know if you showed up in a certain way, it, it would create different results, but you don't necessarily do it. And so there's a difference between thinking it and saying it or acting it. And what is that? Like what is in the way for that? Well, what I know to be true is that we can spend a lot of time in our heads, thinking about it, playing out different scenarios, but when it comes to playing out the scenarios, we actually realize the consequences of those actions, and then we don't wanna pay the price. Like for example, if, I'm just gonna, just, let's just use the fourth grade classroom, the whole show, why not? We'll talk about farts this entire show. We can even rename it if you want. We'll call it uh, Empathetic Leadership, all about farts today. Perhaps that's the title. Anyway, so the fourth grade classroom. If we made these kids feel bad about their fart smell, they would start to get a complex and 
what might happen is these kids would uh, hold in uh, or, or leave the room a lot. They would just be really uncomfortable because they haven't really figured out how to use their bodies in the best way. From a functionality perspective, I know I'm no gastroenterologist or anything, but I believe that, that you really don't function in your body until a, a little older age. So if we made these fourth graders wrong for how they're showing up, they would start to get uh, a little uncomfortable, like not just physically, but emotionally, and they would think that they have done something wrong. And we don't want that consequence. So that's why a fourth grade teacher isn't going to go up to my son and be like, dude, you stink and because you're farting all the time. Plus, the teacher would have to tell that to every kid. And so that would take a lot of their time. And really, would it create a different impact other than making the kids feel bad about themselves? Maybe, maybe they would all leave the classroom and it would interrupt the teacher's learning. It may just be easier at that age just to let it go and not worry about it. In fact, that's what I see happening. And I think that's actually, if you, when I talk with the teachers, that's the path that they choose because it's the path to least resistance. And it, it leaves the kids not feeling bad about where they're at. Because naturally, if you just let them go, as we've evidenced by the fourth, sixth, and eighth grade using my son's classrooms as examples, this is something that they're going to work out on their own. So there's really no reason to intervene. And so in that case, we just let it go. So you think about all the different situations that are going on around you in your, in your place of business, all the different opportunities that you could have to interrupt certain behaviors, certain things that are happening, certain even strategies that are happening, all of that stuff. There are, uh, you can interrupt it or you cannot. And when we think about interrupting a pattern, and that doesn't have to be a bad thing, like the word interruption, tend to think that we're creating a, like a negative space, but it's not always that. Interruptions could be uh, somebody that's doing something really well and you want to interrupt them to say, hey, I really think this is working, keep going. Because people don't always inherently know what's going well either. So interruptions is just really being a pause in somebody else's action so that we can create the environment that we want, that is the best environment possible to create the ultimate results that we want to create. So you get to decide, is this an interruption that I want to make? And sometimes the answer is no, it's not an interruption that we want to make because it's not really what we believe is in our best interest. But these kinds of calculations, they're going on in our head, which means that we're saying, okay, do I interrupt the fourth grader for the fart? Ugh. Well, what is all, what are all the different scenarios that could happen? Oh, I don't want to do that. Okay, well, let's just let it go. All right, so that kind of stuff happens all the time. Think about it in the workplace. Think about all the different things that you see in the empathetic leadership, you know, this social awareness space that you could interrupt day in and day out, but you choose not to because you think about it and think, gosh, those consequences, I don't really want to pay those. Let's just not do it. But if whatever that action is, is so severe that it keeps happening, then we want to, we, we don't interrupt it. It's just going to continue to happen. Now, this is no different than when I sit with a business and they say, hey, look, we want to go through all of these. We want to create an entirely different strategy for the company. Cool. All in. Those are best conversations. But what happens is we often condition our own ideas where we say, here's where we want to go, but here's what we think might happen. And well, we don't want to pay that price, so let's just not go there. And all of a sudden, we never went anywhere. Okay, so our social awareness, how we perceive the actions of others, or even worse, we have ideas in our head, but we don't share them. They don't get out of our head because we think, well, what if somebody would uh, 
judge us for that? What if somebody wouldn't like our ideas? What if they laugh? What if I give an idea and, and we move it forward and it fails? Man, I have been failing a lot lately and it is not fun. I mean, it's huge learning opportunities, but it is not fun to fail. And you never want your name attached to failure because, ew, that's icky. Now, logically, we all know that failure breeds growth, right? That, that's, yes, okay, failure breeds growth. Great, got it. And when you're actually experiencing failure, it sure doesn't feel like growth. It feels icky and uncomfortable. We could do an entire show on that. But the reality is that that is what it takes. And so when we think about our social awareness, like as the leaders of our companies, we are calling forward the opportunities to interrupt people. We get to be the example. We get to be willing to fail. We get to put our voice out into the world. We get to be the example. And that, my friends, is not always the fun position to be in. It's why my phone rings, because my clients call me up and they say, oh, I'm in one of those icky positions. Oh, I don't want to. And they're in their heads. And my job is to pull that out into action, because it's about getting it from your head out into the world and knowing that sometimes the, it's what you're saying or creating, it's not going to land in the way that you want. But it's okay because having that social awareness means that you see those results and then you move on them. Now, I'm going to give you a very specific example of something that happened for me very recently. And it's okay. It's icky and ucky feeling sometimes, but it's okay. So last week, if you heard my Halloween Horror Story show, oh, that was so much fun. And I got such great feedback on that show. But one of the things that I weaved in that show and the show the week before, and I talked about on social media, and I had about... 20, uh, 30 conversations with different leaders about something that I was really excited to launch in 2023. And that is a 12 month leadership mastermind. It would be incredible. My goal with this 12 month mastermind was to bring forward executives that really wanted to talk about visioning and strategy and turn that into action. Because really what is in the way between visioning and action is how we show up in our leadership. But what I realized was that when I used the terms leadership development, what it was calling forward were a lot of new leaders. And that is a wonderful audience. It is an incredible audience. New leaders that are stepping into their potential as to how they can impact themselves and those around them, that is an incredible place to play. And there are lots of people that really wanna play in that space and wanna cultivate the newest of leaders. And I'm very clear that that's not me, that my job is to work in the executive ranks, the people that have been leaders for a while, that are seasoned, that really have control of the company vision and that can turn it from vision to action. That is my calling card. It is the place and the space that I get to live. But the more I focus on leadership development and, the, and lead with those words, the more that I call forward the newest of the new leaders. But if I focus on the words business strategy, and, and so I focus on a different messaging, I can call forward those executives. And so even though I was super excited about this 12 month program, and I really can see the value that it could offer, the target audience didn't align, or the target audience was there, but the, the people that it was calling forward, when I look at my social awareness, the results are that it's not the audience that's being called forward, isn't the audience that matches what I intended. So I can look at that as like, wow, what a failure. That totally flopped. 
or I can hear the feedback and say, okay, that's amazing. And somebody should totally do this, but it's not me. What I get to focus on is the business strategy, the facilitation, the retreats, the executive coaching, the true, how are we going to turn this vision into action? How do we move forward in very complex situations? How do we take 45 different voices and make them one and have everybody feeling really great about that? Because that is a true skill set and it's the one that I have. But when, if I don't have my social awareness at the highest level and I'm not seeing those results, I could get stuck in failure. I could say, gosh, you know what? If I just keep beating down this 12 month leadership and say, no newbies, we don't want the new leaders. We want the existing leaders. And, and I just keep beating down that bush and I keep saying that same thing and I don't see the feedback and the results around me, then I'm gonna continue to get the same results, but I'm gonna be really frustrated because come January, 2023, who will be in that session? It's not gonna be the newbie leaders because I told them no, but it's also not going to be the season leaders because I haven't talked to them. So it would be zero. And that would be even more frustrating. And so being a leader and really understanding the social awareness around you saying how I, what I'm saying, acting and how I'm showing up impacts results and impacts others. It impacts others decisions. It's understanding that whole process and being willing to act on the results, even when they're not what you want. And so this is something that I've been walking through to say, Ooh, uh, as great of an idea as that is, it's not the place that I get to play. And of course, did I have thoughts of like, can I go back and eliminate, like, can we change and edit that radio script from last time where I talked about that? Because eek, I don't want somebody to know that I failed. Now you may hear that and think, wow, Kathleen, you're being harsh on yourself. That's not a failure. That's a growth opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely is, but you still have those feelings of failure can still come up. I was talking with a good friend of mine who we both admit, like we both said to each other, we have these alter egos and everybody has this. Hers is called Gertrude. Mine is called Catherine. My name's Kathleen, Catherine. I never liked being called Catherine growing up. And so she is my alter ego. And every time that, some, that I say to myself, like, you stink, you failed. It's Catherine that's talking. Catherine is not nice to me. She's very mean. She's like the, the bully of the little kid, uh, the little Kathleen and telling her why she's not gonna be able to get what she wants. Catherine is powerful and she is mean. And if I let Catherine run my thought process, it's not gonna work. I will not create any results. Well, I will create results, but they won't be what I want. So we're always creating results, but they won't be what I want. And so think about that for you. Social awareness, so self-awareness is realizing that Catherine exists. She's real to me. You may not be able to hear or see her, but she is very real to me. But social awareness means that Catherine has an impact on the people around her. And if, if Kathleen can't calm Catherine to say, hey, shut up, this is not your time to shine, this is my time to shine, and realize that, hey, they're giving you feedback that says, just shift the messaging and create it in a different way and it will be successful. But how I can juggle Kathleen versus Catherine, that's my self-awareness how I see the results around me that I can create based on when Catherine or Kathleen shows up, that's my social awareness. Hear the difference? All right, we're gonna go on a quick break and when we get back, we'll wrap up this show. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Enjoy this break. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. 
Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we've been talking all about empathetic leadership, raise your social awareness. Now, the last piece that I'm going to talk about in social awareness, and we're going to do this real quick because we don't have much time left in this show. We spent a lot of time talking today about farts. Anyway, one of the things that I see on social awareness in a lot of companies is that it's social awareness falls into the DEI category. It kind of gets lumped in there to the diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I see a lot of companies hire kind of a token person for this role. Now, I'm not saying that that this token person isn't valuable and isn't exactly what's needed in that role by any means, because I have no judgment on that. But I just want to make sure that we're all clear on what diversity, equity, inclusion really means, because this is a a large component of social awareness. It's understanding how we show up with all groups, not just one large group, which in, in the traditional sense may be considered the white, maybe even male, middle class to upper class, that might be the the main audience. And so what we do is we hire somebody in this diversity, equity, and inclusion role that doesn't look like that. So instead, they might be an African-American male or a Hispanic female or somebody that, that visually looks different than the general population, which, again, we might say is a white, let's just say a male uh, middle class. Okay, that's that person. We hire somebody that looks very different, and then we call them our DE&I person, and so they're the ones that reflect diversity, equity, inclusion. But the thing about that is saying that even in doing that, we are catering to a certain population. So if we're defining DE&I as reaching different ethnic populations, we're still shutting out a lot of different groups. For example, neurodivergence is a huge opportunity within the DE&I space. And what that means is somebody who thinks differently, like ADD, ADHD, uh, all kinds of, of spectrum, that all falls into neurodivergence. And so that term is becoming way more popular these days, and we get to make sure that that's wrapped into DE&I. Also, the, the emotional intelligence that's wrapped into DEI. So somebody that's at a lower level of emotional intelligence versus a higher level of emotional intelligence, that is also considered DEI. And so the D, what diversity, equity, inclusion means is that everyone, no matter what, gets to be represented in our company. And so whether you have two legs or one leg, whether you show up on wheels or you show up walking, whether you have brown skin, black skin, white skin, tan skin, it doesn't matter what color your skin color is. It doesn't matter who you date or who you're married to or if you're single. It doesn't matter whether you identify as a male or a female or uh, however you identify. It doesn't matter how many kids you have or maybe if you don't have kids. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter where you were born. All of those things are considered secondary to who you are. And what companies that really master DEI is saying that we are gonna show up for these, this team of people 
based on who they are, not based on all of these characteristics that we say matter. And, and so what I see in companies a lot of times is they're focused on those things, those secondary pieces, and they create an entire diversity, equity, and inclusion platform based on those secondary pieces rather than who you are and how you show up. But really great companies that do that say those things are all really important, absolutely, but it's about you and how we serve you, how we serve you. So for the person that needs a wheelchair, is there the wheelchair ramp there? For the person that's got neurodivergence, are we catering to them in whatever ways that would look like? And so really understanding what the needs of our employee base are, that is a huge challenge within our companies today. And I've seen lots of business strategies be built around that to support employees. Because when we think about there aren't enough employees, like there are plenty of people to work. It's just that we aren't treating them the way that they want to be treated so they don't see value in coming to work for us. That's the honest truth. But a lot of people don't want to hear that. And you, if you don't want to, that's fine. You can probably still have a company that's going to exist and probably, probably do really well. But you are going to have a challenge with employees and continually getting employees because employees want to work for a company that has DE&I as a focus. And especially as we're in recession or step into a recession or however you want to frame that, one of the biggest challenges is that we flip from employee-based to employer-based. Okay, now that's a whole other conversation. But the whole point of that is understanding that our social awareness, how we show up for those around us, directly impacts whether people want to work for us or not. It directly impacts whether our clients want to work with us or not. It directly impacts our bottom line. It directly impacts how we feel about our jobs. So as leaders, we are called forward, especially as executives who have the ability to guide the course of our businesses forward, we are called forward into this social awareness space. Now I know if you're listening today, your social awareness is probably higher than what the average is. And that is wonderful and so exciting because that means that we've got lots of places to play. We've got lots of potential. But what it also means is that we get to grow. There's always room for growth here. And we get to make sure that we're inclusive. We get to make sure that we're understanding of the people around us. And we get to see all these different things that are possible. And we get to speak them. And not be afraid to interrupt people, but know when it's appropriate. Remember that you've got an entire bag of carrots. So don't just use one tool. Use them all. If you have any questions, reach out to me. I'm happy to support you. If you really want to understand your social awareness and how you can increase that within your company, I'm here. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next week. You're listening to the Kathleen, Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership, your Inspired Choices Network. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.